Welcome to the UX Podcast, where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine. UX introduces a simple formula for personal and business growth based around one principle. We can't solve big, valuable problems alone. Starting with this principle, UX equips and empowers us to pour ourselves into people and systems, scale authentically, and create a life of exponential freedom and impact. And now, let's get started with the latest episode of the UX Podcast. What's up, rock stars? We are back with Jason Bay. He has rejoined us, and we are talking about hiring. So if you caught Jason's first episode, uh, this will be a continuation of the conversation where we go a little bit deeper into the structure of his business and specifically his hiring process for high-quality, full-time freelancers. So super, super valuable conversation. Now, if you didn't listen to the first episode with Jason, uh, go back and find that because we talked about the lessons that he's learned as a first-time agency owner and how to go from consulting to offering a productized service. And so once you've productized your service and you have a really good handle on exactly what your deliverables are and the way to produce those deliverables has been systematized. In other words, you have a documented, unique process for doing and producing exactly what you promised to clients. Then you can take the next step and you can start bringing people in to run those systems and actually operate and deliver the value that you promised to clients. And that's what we're talking about with Jason today. So the few things I think you'll pull out of the conversation are number one, how Jason structured his service to be delivered by freelancers. In other words, once you figure out what you want to deliver to clients, how do you actually structure it in such a way that, that someone other than you, especially freelancers, so someone who is not showing up to an office every day, can actually deliver that service, right? And the second thing is, what kind of freedom does Jason get and does he have now from stepping out of the operations and what does he invest that time into? So we talk a little bit about kind of what happens, what happens when you step out of the operations side and you get freelancers to, uh, to deliver that service, what does that allow you to do? And then this, the third thing is we talk about his hiring process, which his is a five-step process. And there's a couple key, uh, key things in there that I think you'll really love, which is the video interview and the actual real world assessments that Jason uses as part of the interview process to identify really high quality candidates. And I use a very similar process. Uh, I don't, I haven't done a lot of video interviews up until this point, at least not recorded ones. Uh, I have a good friend in San Diego that does a lot with Spark Hire. Uh, the, the software system and uses video interviews in his hiring process. Uh, Jason does something very similar. Uh, I have a, a similar process just without the video interviews, so it's something that I'm looking at incorporating. But regardless of, of how you hire anyone right now, I think you'll get a ton of value of just how well executed and well laid out and thought out Jason's system is for hiring freelancers into your business. So, with that said, let's jump into the conversation with Jason Bays, the founder of Blissful Prospecting. It is a productized LinkedIn lead generation service, which you might be interested in talking with Jason about that. So, if you, uh, if you listen to uh, the podcast and you love what he's doing and you want to get involved with the service, make sure to check that out. The link is blissfulprospecting.com. And now, here's Jason. Well, Jason, welcome back to the UX podcast. <laughs> Great to be back on. <laughs> so as we're, I laugh because we're recording a part two immediately after we recorded part one, because um, there was just, there was too much. We talked a little bit about your journey on the last episode of just getting to where, where you are. And I want to talk about now the stage that you're actually in, right? So we covered the productization. We covered, you know, kind of zeroing in on your ideal client and stuff like that. But I want to talk about scaling up. 
So you're in the position now. So tell me a little bit about where the business sits as of the time that we're recording this and, and what are the things that you're looking at that you're going, okay, now it's time to scale. What are the indicators that you see? Yeah, there's a, a couple things. We sort of look at things in, in two buckets. We look at operations and sort of the client fulfillment and hiring in order to fulfill that, all that stuff. And then we look at client acquisition. So where we were at at the very beginning, obviously, was I was just trying to get as many clients as we possibly could to start doing this. And then we would deal with the fulfillment, whatever uh, my wife, Sarah, and I couldn't handle, we hired out to do that stuff later. Yeah. So right now, what we're sitting at uh, in our 11th month in business is we do about $35,000 per month in recurring revenue at the moment. Um, and we have a team of six people that help uh, us fulfill that. And the way that sort of looks right now, so we've done a lot of thinking about, well, how do we structure our business? Like what does the biz ideal business model look like? Mm -hmm. And if you look at that for agencies, you're going to find all kinds of stuff. Like HubSpot had a really good document on like 10 of the top marketing agencies that are you know, sort of those mid-level agencies and they all structure their businesses differently. So you're not going to really? find a really good consensus yeah. um, on what it should look like outside of, Hey, you have an account manager who works with a client and then you have an editor or copywriter, you know, et cetera, that, yeah. that normal function. So the way that we structure things right now is I do the client acquisition in our business and then Sarah works with our team to do all of the client fulfillment mm -hmm. up to the point of sending the emails. And then, so basically what they're doing, what we do differently than most prospecting companies is that instead of just buying a list and emailing, like our team actually goes individually through every company that gets emailed they go individually through every contact that's going to get emailed. And then a quality assurance manager actually double checks everything. So nice. it's not a murder by numbers sort of thing. Yeah. So there's a lot of labor involved in doing that. And then every email we send out gets personalized, not just with a merge tag, but like a sentence or two that's unique to that person or their company. Yeah. Yeah. So Sarah works with that. And then we have a team leader that manages all of our data researchers and our QA manager. Mm -hmm. And then on my side, I, we, we have someone that kind of helps part-time with the sales stuff and I'm doing a lot of that on my own. Yeah. So right now we're just getting in, we sort of talked about this offline. I would say we're just getting into the part of our business where I can actually open up my schedule and do more selling because mm -hmm. we've sort of figured out our service offering, how to get the best results. We figured out who our ideal client is and now we can go after them. Yeah. And where we're going to be going into 2019 is because uh, Sarah is uh, very extroverted, very good at networking, and she's actually um, going to be doing sales too. We want to get the business to where we can both be focused on the client acquisition and we nice. have our team doing the fulfillment. We're, like I said, we're just getting into that right now. Like we haven't really had to do any of our own prospecting the last like three or four months because we've had clients, we've kept them, we're getting referrals, mm -hmm. et cetera. And yeah. now we really want to sort of open up the spigot, so to speak, and like really get aggressive with finding clients we really want to work with instead of just dealing with the inbound stuff. Because the, the inbound that comes to us is not always the best fit. They definitely need what we are offering, but we're not always equipped to, to help them in the way they need to be helped. And a lot of times they need a lot of help outside of what we're able to do for them. Yeah, which there's, yeah, there's always going to be an element of that where people reach out. And part of the reason they reach out is because they're not ready. They're not right for what you've, yeah. what you've got. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely of the mind that unless, unless people have come in through a direct referral from someone I really trust and it's, it's birds of a feather flocking together, they're referring me to a peer yeah. or 
there's someone that's like been nurtured by one of my podcasts or something like that, where they kind of, they, they know me and they trust me and they're in the, in the right position. Yeah. Like I have people reaching out and for the most part, I would say most of the people reaching out for our services are not in a position where we can help them. They may be in a position where they need to start a podcast, but that doesn't mean they should pay us to produce it which is a whole other animal. And the same yeah. thing goes for you guys. Um, so it's an interesting thing where I think if you have the ability to go out and, and cherry pick exactly who you want to work with, and you already have the system for how to connect with them, you just, it's just a matter of like scaling up that system because you know that works. Yeah. And the cool thing about what like you and I both do is that the same thing we do for ourselves is the same thing we sell to our clients. Yes. So when we prospect, yeah. we're, we just treat ourselves as a client. And then our yep. team executes everything. And it also helps us because we do all of our, like one of our company values is, uh, you know, making sure that, that you know, always be testing. And mm -hmm. the always be testing part is we test on ourselves before we test on our, yes, our clients, exactly. preferably, right? <laughs> so we can use ourselves as a case study. And that's what I did at the very yeah. beginning. As soon as I got LinkedIn to work and get appointments and started booking and closing deals, the, for our first case study was ourselves. Mm -hmm. And some people every now and then thought that was like kind of weird, but a lot of people are like, Oh, cool. Okay. You're making this work. It's the same approach people use, you know, in the online courses space, they're almost always their own case study. And yeah, they have testimonials from people that have used their stuff, but they kind of use themselves as the case mm. study. And you can yeah. use that, that same principle. Yeah. That's but, true. Um, I would say like the, in terms of scaling, one thing that we've really figured out is how to hire a, and the, and the way that we do this is a, yeah, we talk, again, we talked about this offline. It was instead of hiring a full-time employee here in the U.S. where you are going to probably have to pay that person at least twenty-five to 3000 bucks a month minimum in order to get like a decently qualified person, mm -hmm. uh, if you're going to bring them on full-time, of course, and then all the taxes on top of that, uh, we did that and like realized we made the wrong hire like within the first week of working with the person. Ooh, okay. And... I don't know if you, if you're in your first, I say three to six months in business and you're bootstrapping, you're probably not going to be able to afford a full-time person anyways. Mm -hmm. So what we've found a, a blend of doing is instead of going to like Upwork and hiring people on a project to project basis where they have their own goals in mind and they want to work with multiple clients and they have specific, mm -hmm. you know, sort of uh, revenue targets, like with their freelancing, mm -hmm. we said, Hey, what if we wanted to work with people in the Philippines, for example, but we wanted to actually cherry pick and look for the absolute best people that probably already have jobs that might be looking for something more fulfilling, but mm -hmm. they're not going to be on these Upwork sites because they're not looking for project-based work. They want yeah. full-time work. Yep. That's, this is something that uh, Sarah, uh, my wife and, and co-founder and better half, <laughs> is that she's, she's really done uh, extremely well in our business is, is how do we systemize um, our hiring? Because mm -hmm. we sort of have it down to where we know that every two or three clients requires another data researcher and that becomes a full-time job for them. Yep. So what she put together um, that I think is really genius, because I always looked at interviewing like, oh, you do an introductory interview with someone after you look at the resume and if that goes well, you do a final interview and if that goes well, you hire them. Okay. Well, when you need to hire, you know, when you need to interview multiple people and qualify them to find one good person, like typically we have to interview 10 or 15 people to find a good person to be a data researcher Mm -hmm. because they're doing a lot of stuff. They have to know who our client's ideal client is. They have yeah. to look at a website and be able to determine, is this a good fit for our client's service? And then they have to know mm -hmm. who the decision maker is at the company. And then they have to personalize the email. That's a lot of responsibility for someone. Yeah. 
So what we did is instead of having to do 10 interviews to find someone, um, the way the process looks is it's five steps. So we go to job posting sites. So like onlinejobs.ph is a great one if you want to hire people in the Philippines. Yep. There's a lot of sort of places you can look to outsource. So whatever country you want to hire in, they have job posting sites. So don't go to the freelancer.com or Upwork sites. Go to actual job postings where people look for full-time work. From there, what we have, when they apply, they reply through the ad, and then they get sent a questionnaire. So that questionnaire has 10 questions on it. And what it has is we're essentially testing this person's IQ, <laughs> like yeah. their ability to think about things like, we'll ask them questions like this. What do we do at Blissful Prospecting? Mm -hmm. What is inbound versus outbound? Just questions like that, just testing their knowledge. And yeah. if we get an answer that we like, we have our team. Again, it's, it's very, some of it's multiple choice, some of it's fill in the blank, but there's very specific things we're looking for. So we have someone on our team look through and if they meet the qualifications of that questionnaire, we send them a Spark Hire link. Yep. So Spark Hire, uh, Spark Hire is a tool you can use where they can submit video responses so you don't have to interview them. So their first interview is a series of 10 questions that they respond to with videos. Now we're getting to hear how the person thinks like live. Mm -hmm. um, so again, we're asking questions about who do you think Blissful Prospecting's ideal customer is? If you were sending a cold email to us about selling us on this service or whatever it would be, what would you say? And again, if we like that, our team, it's, it's simple enough to where someone again on our team can look through and like, are they meeting the requirements or not? Mm -hmm. And then we just added this part, instead of then interviewing the person, normally what we do is a first, like a final interview combined with a first, and we would actually do an exercise in the, in the meeting. Here's a list of five companies. Which of these five companies is a good fit for our client and why? And how yeah. would you personalize the, we have them do that in the interview. Yeah. So instead of doing that now, we actually have them do that prior to a final interview and they have to submit it. So it essentially took, you know, the three or four interviews we needed to do to hire someone down to like one or two. Cause yeah. we already know that they're a good fit at that point. We know that they're smart. We know that they actually understand how our service works. Now we can hop on the phone with them for a half hour. It becomes more of a formality at that point. And yeah. it only takes up a half hour of Sarah's time to do versus her having to go through all these different meetings with people and people not showing up because that's how I did it at first was I was like, okay, cool. Let's just stack as many freaking interviews as we can in a day <laughs> and right. let's do this. I approached the sales style, right? Let's, let's yeah, exactly. stack. Yep. And what happened is I'd set up 15 interviews, half of them would show and like my day was totally hijacked. And then yep. one or two of those people was qualified. So I did eight hours of work to find one or two qualified people, which we might hire mm -hmm. one of those people. And it just was too much work. Um, so I think our hiring system really that Sarah put together and, and what we do now has really helped us scale the most because it's sort of helped us find the golden needles in the haystack of, you know, people in the Philippines. Yeah. Um, so that we're finding people that speak great English, they write great English and all of that stuff. And we're not afraid to share that, hey, our company, besides Sarah and I, everyone else lives in the Philippines and works there. We're not afraid to share that because these are really high quality people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you can, you can share, like you can share their work with them, with the client, with pride, knowing that they're going to agree that, hey, yeah, this is a great, this is a good cold email. Uh, yep. I could not do any better than that myself. Um, it's funny because it's, number one, uh, that hiring process is, I, I, except for a, very, a few very minor small things is exactly how we hire freelancers and especially part-time, you know, assistants and marketing assistants, mm -hmm. things like that. Um, and it absolutely 
for just works phenomenally. Um, one of the last steps for us, if it's a full blown like marketing assistant, uh, who I've helped some of my clients hire as well, is they go through a marketing assessment at the end, like an actual skills assessment to see if they can actually build a free podcast blog using an actual episode. So we give them the raw materials and say, Hey, go to this site where you can set up a blog post for free, like a, like for a, for a podcast and go through their tutorials, use our materials that we give you because we know what you need. Right. And then, um, I think when I built that, I, when I first built it, I went through it myself and I'm like, wait a minute, this graphic is a little bit bigger than I should. I should, I should give them the right size graphic. And then I'm like, no, I should leave that in there. It's an Easter egg in the skills assessment to see if they figure out that, oh, I have to go resize this image. And mm -hmm. either they either they already have the gear, either they already have Photoshop and they go resize it, or they figure out how to go do a browser-based one. Like they, it tests their problem-solving skills because if somebody comes back and says, hey, I got everything else done, but, I, but I, I can see they didn't resize the image, I know I've not got someone that has the right level of attention to detail. So it's funny like how you can build those things into that system to weed out the people that aren't a good fit. I love that. What you mentioned there at the end is so important about assessing skills. So many companies hire people and they don't assess their skills. Yeah. It's crazy. You invest all this time into hiring someone and training and doing all this stuff only to find out a month in, they just aren't very good at their job. Yes. When exactly. it could have been easily figured out. And like one of the things that, that, that besides that skills assessment too, is like everyone that we bring on is, they're a temporary employee until they've been with us for three months. And mm -hmm. so that, and it can happen sooner, but there's specific, very specific things they have to accomplish in order to be quote unquote. And I get they're not legally like a full-time employee because they live in another right. country, but yeah. to be with us full-time, you have to demonstrate a certain level of competence and performance metrics. And then now we'll invest in you. We'll you know, pay for some extra staff. You'll have bonus opportunities. You'll get a mm -hmm. raise, all that other stuff. Um, making sure that the person can do the job well before hiring them is it sounds like a very obvious thing, but you have to do that. And most people don't for whatever reason. Yeah. I, I think it's the same. Uh, a lot of times the same thing that gets us in trouble in other areas, which is that we have to build a system. Uh, yeah. And if we build the right system, the system will produce the right result, but it takes just that extra time of building it. Mm -hmm. And what's cool about the situation that you're in is you have the skill sets between you and your wife and you have two different people that can attack it. So you can focus on the sales and marketing side. Your wife, it sounds like, is really the systems guru that built all this stuff up behind the scene yeah. and you divided and conquered, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, I tend to be more systematic myself and so I was able to kind of build the initial systems, but then I've got a phenomenal operations director that's my work wife, essentially, who does yeah. all the account <laughs> management and helps build the system yeah. and stuff like that. So I, I had to go through that same progression and got somebody else to dive in because it's other. It's just it's a lot. Like building systems in your business to scale, it's a lot to ask while you're still doing the sales and marketing. Yeah, it's exhausting because... You know, doing a sales call requires you to be 100%, if you're good, you're, doing, you're 100% dialed in and focused on what you're doing. And that's very mm -hmm. draining. Yeah. Building systems is a very mentally draining sort of thing to execute. Um, and Sarah is definitely more detail-oriented than I am. I think, like most guys, I'm very detail-oriented about the things I care about. <laughs> so, yes, um, that is very true. <laughs> detail-oriented about everything. And yes. then I... Uh, yeah, I have selective uh, <laughs> selective detail orientation. That's a yeah. great way to describe guys. I've never thought of that, but you're totally true. Oh man, that's funny. Okay, so before we finish out, uh, remind people of where to go to uh, connect and learn more about you guys. Uh, yeah, blissfulprospecting.com. 
Um, we have a link right there to our newsletter. Definitely would check that out if you're into uh, getting very um, concise information on how to grow your service-based business. So give prospecting tips, marketing tips, uh, tools and things that we figured out along the way to help us charge recurring payments, which is a huge pain point for some reason for agencies <laughs> finding a good payment solution. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely check that out. You can consume the email in about five minutes a week. It's very actionable, very quick. Um, the other thing too, the best way to get a taste of our style and how we work is check out the cold email breakdowns on LinkedIn. So just look for Jason Bay or Blissful Prospecting on LinkedIn. And every Wednesday, I break down a cold email or cold LinkedIn message I receive and sort of give tips on what we would do if they were our client. And uh, that's been really picking up too. So definitely check that out. Yeah. And, and I love that because it's, it's an active, it's, I think some of the best marketing, and of course it's hard to fit this into, into your marketing strategy all the time, but it's nice when it works out this way. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, it's nice when you can market yourself by demonstrating what you do and the marketing itself is interesting. The marketing itself is valuable, but it actually positions you as the expert because just doing the marketing is a demonstration of the expertise you're selling. I love that when you can do it, when you can pull it off. Yeah. And you mentioned something really important there because I was hesitant to do cold email breakdowns because I was like, isn't this attracting someone that is looking for how to information to do it themselves? And yeah, it will attract those type of people. But more importantly, it's just demonstrating competence. When people see this, a lot of people say, yes. hey, they CC their salesperson and say, you need to check this stuff out and sign up for their newsletter. Yeah, and that's the person you want to sell to because I figured that exactly. same thing out is that the people, there are people that will be looking for the how-to content, but not necessarily for themselves. Mm -hmm. and those are the people I want to sell to. I want to sell to the person that goes, you know, I have X problem in this business. Let me figure out if I can build a system to solve that problem. And then in the, in the, the course of researching that, they find me. Right. Yep. Because then they understand instinctively, holy cow, this is a lot bigger than I thought it was. You should, I should totally pay you to do it because now I understand the value of it. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's a pretty good chunk of our clients who have already launched podcasts before they came to us and we relaunched and then took over the production of the process because they already built the process behind the scenes. They intently, intensely feel they know exactly what the pain and you know what the pain is that they solve they know what it took to get it launched and they know what it takes to produce and so i think they appreciate our services even more sometimes than the people who pay us to launch from scratch and never researched and never put the time in to understand the system that we built so it's always nice when you can find that person that they find across they find your information because they intended to build the system themselves they realize how much work it is and then they go great now I found the holy grail, which is I can get what I want and I don't have to build it myself. Take my money. Yeah. And, yeah. and it requires no education on your part as a salesperson. Yes, exactly. They understand exactly what their pain points are and how you fix them and why that's valuable to them. Yeah. They'll love that. Awesome. Well, Jason, this has been a super fun conversation. I appreciate you coming back for a part two, which is super fun. And I hope everybody checks out Blissful Prospecting and the cold email breakdown. So I'm excited to kind of hear from you as the, the business uh, kind of scales up. And I'm sure we'll have some fun conversations in the future as that happens. Cool. Thanks, man. Hey, Rockstars. Thank you so much. I appreciate you investing your time, your effort, your energy into the show. I don't take that lightly. I so appreciate uh, you all listening and the feedback that I get from those of you who listen and engage with the show. Uh, whether you agree or disagree with the things we talk about, I love hearing from you. So please reach out. 
And if you are in the audience and you're a business coach, a consultant, or you're in creative services, and you're thinking about using you know, guest appearances on podcasts and interviews to boost your business, grow your brand, build more influence and attract ideal clients, or maybe you're watching other people in your space do that and you're wondering if this strategy will work for you and how to make that work. Uh, I did a special training with a client, Dana Malstaff, uh, who runs the Boss Mom Podcast. We produce her show. And we did a training all about that. And it's called How to Get Featured on the Right Podcast and get your ideal clients flocking to you. And a few of the things that we covered in that training, it's, it's short, it's content packed, it's only about 35 minutes long. And we talked about how to get featured on podcasts in less than two hours a week, how to find the exact right podcast for you and make friends with those podcast hosts, how to become micro famous so you're known, liked and trusted in your space, and really how to, uh, how to craft a story hook uh, that really gets the attention of podcast hosts and gets them to say yes when you reach out and pitch yourself as a guest. And so we talk about all that and a bunch more in that training. So it's available at howtogetfeatured.com. That's howtogetfeatured.com. Pop your information in there. It's free and you get it in you know, instant access to watch. You don't have to wait for a follow-up email. You don't have to wait for a fake webinar that's not actually live. None of that. It's a recorded training. You get instant access. So go check it out. I'd appreciate it. And I've said it before on previous episodes. This is my number one marketing strategy for myself for 2019. And I learned a lot of these things in the process of building the system for myself and my staff to pitch me as a expert guest on podcasts. And whenever somebody, whether it's one of my own clients or my friends and peers and colleagues in this space that we all run in, it's my number one recommendation for them to, to grow their brand, build their influence and attract ideal clients. So if that's you and you want more of that, go check that out. That's at howtogetfeatured.com. Thanks again so much. And we'll see you on the next episode of the UX podcast.